I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Wednesday. Deshaun Watson back in the news and the Carolina Panthers making a big, big offer. Three first rounders, plus maybe the best running back in football, Christian McCaffrey. I don't think everyone's seeing the way the dots connect on this story. We'll lead with it. James Harden leads the Brooklyn Nets back from a 21-point halftime deficit to beat the Phoenix Suns. Harden scores 38. Hmm, that was interesting for some of us. <laughs> Tonight, the Clippers are home dogs for the first time in 15 months versus the red-hot Utah Jazz. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. live on a Wednesday, live in Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. In studio, Steve Fezzik. We were were, um, commiserating with you, Steve. We said you had to work mostly almost four days a week for almost four months. I mean, (laughs) that, I mean, isn't there any humanity? I mean, I think maybe what you should do (laughs) is, I think you should maybe write a letter to Draymond Green and have him take up your cause. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Sports bettors, listen for the money. Sports fans, to know more than their buddies. And we're the pros. He's in L.A. He's the Joe, Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we hit on a best bet involving James Harden last night, we've got rumors and rumblings in the quarterback market around the NFL. What is the Vegas lead here on this Wednesday? Deshaun Watson, the Carolina Panthers. And it's an interesting story, but I'm going to connect some dots here that I haven't heard anyone else connect. Yeah, and that according to uh, David Newton, who covers the Panthers for ESPN's NFL Nation. He said, quote, the Panthers will do whatever it takes to get Deshaun Watson, and that includes giving up three first-round picks and star running back Christian McCaffrey. Okay, so here's the question. Why is this public? Jonas, when you look at the reporting on this, is it was this something that was – like a press release was done on or was there a sense of was this a Houston leak was this a Carolina leak what did you say I mean that's just the guy who covers them for ESPN he covers the Panthers and we don't have any sense we don't have any sense if he had someone tell him off the record or he was kind of fed the story back channel not sure yeah that's just okay. what he was reporting on publicly I don't see any reason that this would be something that the Houston Texans would want public because all it does is put pressure on the Houston Texans to respond. If you hear, hey, someone's offering 
some uh, person X a job. And it's like, oh, okay, hmm. Yeah, they're offering them 400000 a year. Really? All of a sudden, it's a conversation. All of a sudden, when the offer is above what you might think is standard, all of a sudden, it's like that guy's got to maybe talk to his wife. That guy's got to... In general, I think David Temper, the owner of Carolina, who, and let's get this straight, because we're going to be talking about him a lot over the next five, ten years, I'm sure. He is probably the best operator amongst the 32 owners because he cut his teeth and he rose to the top of a field, hedge funds, and we can get uh, political about hedge funds. We can get ethical we can talk spiritually. We can do a lot of things, right? We can talk about is you know tax rates, but what we can't debate is how competitive hedge fund that field is. Literally, there's 25 year old analysts that are making two or three million dollars a year in hedge funds, and they're like the guy that doesn't even get, or the gal that doesn't even get to t- say, "Mr. Temper, how you doing?" when he walks by. Multiple millions. These guys make, you know, 10 billion in a good, you know, 5 billion in a good year. The level of competition, it's the smartest of the smart that also have some type of mental illness. Not all of them, I'm not saying he does, that they work 70 hours a week. There's that weirdest comp, and they got lucky. Like that's who is Axe from Axe Capital, as depicted on billions. And that's who Temper is, not necessarily the guy that's Axe. Amazingly, that's the dude that owns the Mets, supposedly, is the guy that Axe is based, Cone, based off of. But Temper, as successful as anyone in this field, he's got teams of people on this, and he started out. And it's my belief this is about putting pressure on the Texans, not just to potentially trade them, but trade Watson sooner. Because if you're Carolina and you want to take a step this year, remember, they were very involved with the Lions and Stafford. And it was a situation where they were – my understanding is they offered the eighth pick in the draft, I think it is, for Stafford. And a lot of people think maybe they should have taken it because it was this year. But they were competitive – and, and aggressive there. They want another quarterback. They want Teddy Bridgewater to be a backup, which is probably his role if you want to get make the playoffs. Bridgewater's probably not the quarterback to bring you to the playoffs. Not impossible. Where do you got him ranked, Fess? Number 17. And I would say I've that got him boy, higher that's optimistic. than the market. Yes. Why? What? Because you bet against him twice when he was five and zero with the Saints. I think I bet against about him it. four times and went zero and four on his win streak. Then yes. <laughs> Hi. At least you're honest. That's the starting point to fix it. <laughs> That's Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell. So Jonas, do you? Uh, uh, does it make sense to you as an aficionado of the media that? This wouldn't just come out for no reason. This was intentional. It was likely from the Carolina side. And it naturally feels like it is the intention is to put pressure on Houston. Meaning to shake the tree of the Texans to try yes. and get him to, to make the move. Um, yes. I, I hadn't thought about that aspect of it. I don't think it's I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. It's 
I just why, don't. Why, why else would it be out? I think that there's Carolina is trying to give the impression that they are being aggressive and really aggressive. And that's why, why would it come out afterwards that they offered up the eighth pick and Teddy Bridgewater to try and get Matt Stafford? It's like, that's the part I'm struggling with. And I don't know that it's to, to get Houston to make a move because it feels like that would just up the offers around the league towards the Texans or, and, and to me, that's, I don't know how that would benefit Carolina. See, that's the thing. I think it's, and this is a great conversation because I think that what we know for sure is it's good. If they do trade them, it will be a mother load that they get back and it will be hyper competitive. Right. So if you know that anyway, get the thing started. It strikes me. And I think it gets Watson. It strengthens his resolve because let's be honest, if you, if you got a five year horizon, how many teams do you have back in napkin, Fez? And maybe I'll ask it and give you a minute on it. What I'm going to ask you, I'll ask Jonas, is how many teams would you put ahead of the Panthers with a five-year horizon amongst teams that don't have a clear starting quarterback that is not going to be displaced, right? The, you know, obviously the Steelers have you know Big Ben in theory starting, but he's getting displaced. Father Time is coming in and saying rents due, and but even Miami they've got a starter, but Tua is shaky. But there's certain places like the Rams aren't looking for a starter right now, right? So the now the Cowboys, yes. Yeah. So I think unless it's clearly they've got their quarterback. Let's open it up to that Watson could replace him. I would put Carolina in the top five with a five-year horizon. I love the coach. I love the owner. I love everything they're doing. They got Brady as OC. I mean, what do you think, Jonas? Who, who's uh, ahead? Oh, you got your list, fast? Yes. I, Go ahead. I've got six teams, so Kansas City. All right, so you think Mahomes is going to get displaced? No. Then why would you say Kansas City? We only want teams that don't have a rock solid starter. Oh, because because really, if you think about it, Watson isn't good, yeah right. He's a quarterback. Jonas, what do you got? Yeah, I would put him in the top five. It's too hard to tell what what quarterback is going to be there. Obviously, it would be an easier question to answer if we knew. Okay, they've got Watson or they've committed to Bridgewater because you know that's where their commitment level is at. I think well, this where is, it's not, you mean with yeah, Bridgewater? And and I think this is a critical off season towards looking at their future because if they land Watson or they they go and get a quarterback in the draft and they're clearly in the market, obviously for a quarterback upgrade. If that's the case and they find the right guy. They've, there's a lot there that you got to like, similar to what was happening in San Francisco. And I think a lot of it goes back to, and we talked about it at the time, when they gave Matt Rule that long contract and mm-hmm. basically said, you're our guy, and they outbid for him because there were other teams out there that wanted Matt Rule as well. And they said, you're our guy, and we'll even give you extra years to figure this thing out. I think they put the plan in place at that moment. Yeah, I agree with that. And if you really think about it, and you look through, tw- if you look at 20 year type horizons, the ownership is as important as anything. Think about it. Patriots, yeah. great ownership. Steelers, great ownership. The teams that win, win, and win, that seems to be the common theme. What do you, who do you got, Fester? Let's be clear. Let's set the question up. If you're Watson, you're looking at Carolina and thinking, hmm, I like a lot about this. 
if he has a five-year horizon to win a Super Bowl amongst the teams that could possibly want Watson because they don't have a quarterback like Kansas City does, how many do you put above Carolina? Five teams. Go ahead. San Francisco, Miami, New England, Washington, Indy. Okay. Okay. I can agree with Indy. I think Washington has the worst owner or one of the worst owners. I, who knows what he's going to do at any given time? Are you really going to go and be under the thumb of Daniel Snyder yeah, if you have a, a choice? Point, yeah. All right. So let's eliminate them. San Fran, I think it's fair to say. I, what about Miami? I mean, they just spent the fifth pick in the draft on a quarterback that he'd be displacing. How how is how is Miami? If you get if you assume Tua isn't worth very much, and I'm not saying we've gotten there yet, but if you assume that, what's so special about Miami? I think the trend line. Well, because because of Tua. I oh, mean, I don't think it's Tua. Well, I don't know. I don't. I, I mean, to me, I, that's a debatable one. And who's your other ones? New England. Ah, see, I don't agree. Listen, no one loves Belichick more than me. The guy's almost 70 years <laughs> old, right? And I would say you could make the case right now, maybe one of the bottom five or seven talent-level rosters. You look at that. Listen, they've been picking at the end of their first round now for a long time. Who's the blue chippers right now? I mean, Gilmore's at the end of the road. Who's the blue chippers on the Patriots? Yeah, are they going to get back Hightower? Well, you know, some of the COVID but even guys. If he do, even if they do, old, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's past 30. Yes. So, to me, if you were looking for a one-year result, maybe. Mm. But I don't know. Belichick's there in four years. So, really, we're down to like a handful of teams. Yes. And Carolina is officially in the battle. And don't forget, Watson... Is probably a what? Three, four point upgrade from Bridgewater? Three. Three. Think about that. That's 45 points or 48 points over a season. How many wins is that? One and a third. One and a third. So just by signing Watson, they would have an additional win and a third. That's the way you make the playoffs. When we come back, we're talking Carson Wentz and how everyone's wrong about the trades they're talking about. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a closer look at the latest in the Carson Wentz drama. Yeah, we're going to connect the dots from Draymond Green to Carson Wentz to Deshaun Watson. To the Pope. No, 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 not the Pope. <laughs> but the other ones were connecting, and I think in a pretty profound way. Great day to join us. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus, and we thank you so much for the support, and we'll keep working extra hard to deliver more winners for you. <laughs> you can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas, right here in Vegas on the Strip, 58 degrees. The neon is chugging. 
and there was a report out earlier today from Les Bowen of the Philadelphia Inquirer that said the following, that he spoke with NFL management source, not from the Eagles, about the Carson Wentz issue and that his viewpoint is that if Wentz doesn't want the Bears, then the Bears aren't going to trade for him and eventually the Eagles will have to take whatever the Indianapolis Colts are offering. Okay, so it's my understanding that there's only three players in the NFL that have a no-trade clause. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and... Jimmy Graham, of all people. Jimmy Graham. Hmm. Hey, give give him credit, right? (laughs) Okay, so let's think of the premise of Jonas's setup. And don't forget... About two years ago, right here on this show, on these airwaves, I said during the Zeke holdout in Cabo, I said, where does it end? Where does it end? Because when you are at the point where literally the rules at the time, and still the rules are, that it just was the beginnings of the ability for Dallas to extend him. Like, if they, they couldn't have extended him a month before. It was illegal. It's like someone turning 16, and a month later, they're suing their parents because they don't have a car yet. <laughs> it's like, all right, I don't know about ever doing that, but maybe wait a couple of years. No, no. It's like, you can actually... You could have upped me three days ago. I'm out of here. I'm going to Cabo. That seemed a little out of bounds. Where is it going to end? Well, now we have a situation with Deshaun Watson. Now, think about this a second. We have a guy that has a no-trade clause demanding a trade. So, he literally gets to say, oh, I know I just signed a, you know, what, five-year contract for hundreds of millions of dollars, but I decided I don't like it here anymore. And I don't want to be forced to stay here and make a half a billion in the next five years or whatever, close to it. All right. We can debate that. I think it goes against Watson. And I love Watson as a player. I love everything I hear about him off the field. You know, I'm, I don't know him, but I got no problem with him. I mean, he's a winner. I love winners. I mean, won a national title. But I don't understand how a person that the team can't trade can demand a trade and then somehow be dictating where he gets traded to. Now, that sounds like pure free agency, which exists, but not when you're in the middle of, not in the middle, at the beginning of a five-year contract. The thing that no one wants to say, because almost every host, and I don't blame them for this, they want to put themselves off as part of the proletariat. They're part of the working class. So they're going to be on the side of the players because that's who the fans are on most of the time. It's like, come on. A lot of these radio guys are making a million, five million, ten million a year. They're not part of the working class. Like, just forget that right off the. But the further they get from it, the more they act like it. All right. So let's. Be candid here. How is it that the owners have to abide by contracts and the players don't? If the owner said, oh, um, Aaron Rodgers, 
who signed an all-cash contract. People say, well, uh, the, the owners can cut them anytime they want. Well, yeah, because that's the deal that was signed. You can sign a deal like Aaron Rodgers did that said it's all cash. It's all guaranteed, right? And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Cousins has almost all guaranteed money. Hey, you have leverage. You can negotiate a no-trade clause. You can negotiate whatever you want. But then you got a deal. You can't do business if deals don't count. So let's start there, and it's nothing against Watson, but a guy with a no-trade clause is demanding a trade, and thus he gets to dictate where he goes. But now we're going to go one step further. As Jonas said in his setup, and you're right in that that's the perception, Jonas, is Wentz is going to decide where he goes? Yeah. Why? So I'm confused. He signed a long-term deal. He doesn't even have a no-trade clause, but now he gets to decide where he gets traded to? Yeah, and, and that's the that's the part of this that doesn't add up. It's it's a guy who clearly is damaged goods for lack of a better term. Uh, they can't that sounds up to like this, the right term. Yeah, they can't up to this point get a first round pick for him. So not only is he now not worth what he was when he came into the league, but now he's also trying to dictate where it is that he's going to go play football next. And as we discussed, them hiring Sirianni was choosing Went over the coach who had just won a Super Bowl for us. So I think that was probably a smart move if you had lock in from Wentz. But why they're going to lose both the coach and Wentz. And as much as I wasn't a huge Peterson lover, I mean, it's hard to think he wasn't better than what we, this unknown that's Sirianni right now, that no one even knew, let's be candid, no one knew his name. He wasn't like some super well-known hot coordinator. It was because he was with Wentz. Think about it. It was he was or not even with Wentz, right? But he was with Reich mm-hmm. now, or you know, most recently, and Reich was with Wentz. So this is like once removed, <laughs> he was with Wentz. So they hire the guy, and then and Wentz says, "Oh, that's a nice gesture. Trade me." <laughs> and by the way, I don't want to go to the Bears. <laughs> and by the way, make sure my check hits. Don't delay that check even one day. You know, my whatever, whatever, a million dollar check or whatever it is. Well, not a million. Forget that. They get what? 16 game checks, right? I think the way it goes in the NFL. And he's making how much? 34.7. Hmm. I'm going to do some math here. That's over two million. <laughs> two million a freaking week. And he's just pointing and dictating. Where is it going to end? Jonas, you were skeptical. You thought, who did I get a show with that was saying that two years ago? Have you moved directionally towards me on this? Uh, no, I mean, I've always but felt no, that— No, yes, you said, no, that can't be the answer. Well, I've always felt that there is there is this thing in the media where I don't know if it's they want more access or whatever it is, but there feels like a, a push to side with players at all costs. And to me, I just think each situation is different. In the case of Deshaun Watson, I don't understand how people are okay with what he's doing. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't get how he's getting a pass. And, and the Carson Wentz stuff is just bizarre that he still thinks that he can But call it seems shots. like it's working. It seems I, like it's working. Apparently, yeah. Where's it going to end? And I'll tell you this. Let's assume the Wentz reporting is accurate, okay? We, we can't be sure. But let's assume that for a second. I think Wentz is more egregious 
because you can make the following case. Watson had a monster year. It was his best year. I think the case could be made behind Aaron Rodgers. He had the second best year, better than Mahomes. Now, if so, it'd be a smidge a smidge. It'd be small. But he's right there in the conversation. You know, it's funny. Fez looks at his uh, quarterback rankings like it's like the Ten Commandments. <laughs> like, they're your rankings, Steve. <laughs> You're looking going, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I'm going to confirm that. Yes, that's your rankings. You know, and the beauty of Watson <laughs> is his ceiling is so high. It wouldn't surprise any of us two years from now if Watson was the best quarterback in the NFL, right? I think that, well, certainly with Aaron Rodgers hitting, you know, an you know, an age drag to some point, I think. Though who knows, right? Okay. So, the question is how much of a shortfall, how short of the contract is Carson Wentz falling? Because you could make the case even with the jumbo contract Watson exceeded it last year. And I also, to finish that comparison, Jonas, in my opinion, you could make the case if you looked at it with you know your eye askew and squinted, Houston's changed a lot in the last year or so. Now, hasn't changed a lot since he signed the contract. But, you know, different coach, J.J. Watt's gone, uh, the owner passed away, now the son's there, this uh, uh Oh, I'm having a mental block. The the uh, the spiritual consultant fellow. Oh, Jack uh, Jack yeah, Jackie's. Yeah. yeah, Easterby's in and apparently having a huge influence. You could and and also under the deceased owner, there was comments that I think fairly could be taken as you know racially insensitive. So you could, but but. Since most of that, if not all of it, happened before Watson signed the contract at the beginning of last year, I'm not sure how much of an excuse it is, but I think it helps the narrative a little, even though the timeline's not obvious to most you know, casual observers. The Wentz thing feels like, here's a guy signed a jumbo contract, he played horribly, he doesn't connect with his teammates, it seems, and now he's making, de- and we fired a coach over him. And it still didn't satisfy him. And now he's saying, I'm going to one team and one team only. Tell me when it's done. <laughs> that, that, and, is, and is that even for a fact? I mean, is there anything about that that isn't like what it is, right? No, it's accurate. Yeah. And Jonas, you said, I think because they want access. Well, we know, and you know better than me, that if it is a beat writer, if it is someone who's embedded in a way with the team, that is a trade-off they gotta make, right? Yeah, is of they'll put out the yeah. Go, yeah. They'll put out stuff that, that that they want out as long as they think it's true. They're not gonna put out lies. But and, and listen, that's part of the game. It's if you're gonna cry about that, you're gonna you know if I cry about that, you're crying about everything. But I'm saying, and I'm not talking about anyone in particular because all of them are doing it. Why does national host X Y Z? And I'm not saying everyone, though, is there, I haven't heard Clay on this. Do we have any sense of where Clay's at on this, Jonas? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I think I mean, uh, he's a guy that will go against the grain, it seems, sometimes. Uh, like, I know Doug Gottlieb's been outspoken against the Deshaun Watson strategy. Okay. And he said, yeah, he's all, I don't understand. He was outspoken against the Draymond Green strategy. Just this idea that, that it's victimhood and all the other things that go along with it. It's No, it's part of business. You signed a contract. What are we doing here? And we're gonna in, in the Draymond I think fits into this because the Draymond situation fundamentally changes sports. 
what he's saying. And I'm not even saying that it doesn't have merit. It's like, but let's understand what it is he's saying. First, though, how much is Carson Wentz shortfall in the contract? So we looked at it and we said, all right, how much is Carson getting paid next year? Or this is the 2020 cap hit, $34.7 million. And then we compared it to Jared Goff. Now, why Goff? Because we know that Goff was sent in that Stafford trade with a first-round pick around his neck, kind of like a coffee cake you give your kid when you send him to the neighbors and they don't want him, but you got to get him out of the house for a couple hours. That's what the first-round pick was. And the question is, well, how does Jared Goff compare to his contract compared to Wentz? And Wentz, $34.7 million, Goff, $27.8. Now, in Fezzik's 10 commandments or 32 commandments of quarterback ranking, he's got Wentz, 20th, Goff, 25th. So we rank, we ranked the quarterbacks last year 1 to 32 and said, okay, what's the 20th quarterback get? Yeah, what's the 25th quarterback get? Then we subtracted that number where they should be paying for that performance from the contract. And this is what we got. Carson Wentz's shortfall last year was $24 million. From 34.7 versus the slot at number 20. I think 20 is generous. Mm-hmm. Very generous. But okay. Jared Goff's shortfall, $20 million. Carson Wentz's contract is three more years. Goff's is two. So literally by saying if they play like last year, which would be the best year to tell us how they're going to play, Carson Wentz is $72 million overpaid the next three years. Goff is $41 million overpaid. And Goff, they had to give a first-round pick along with them to take the contract. But they're going to get what for Wentz? Jonas, does that analysis resonate with you? Yeah, it's it, Carson Wentz. I would say right now, Jared Goff is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. And I for think all that's we, true. Yeah, I think last year he certainly was. A hundred percent. And and even I I don't know. I mean, how many starters in the NFL from last season had worse years than Carson Wentz? I, I mean, by some stats, none. That's the I mean, thing. The QBR you worship, Faz, where was his QBR? Twenty seventh. Yeah. So you just you're going on pedigree, and listen. Yes, part of pedigree matters, right? Yeah. But if he had been fined a year before, he wasn't. All right, listen. We're going to continue this and tie it in with Draymond. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. I just cracked a Coke Zero, so we're going to have a nice, energized last segment. We're going to tie Draymond Green's comments and how they fundamentally are going to change sports if that was followed. And Fez has a best bet on the Duke game tonight. Will we be for them or against them? We'll find out. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted, and it's money-making time next on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight 
out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan, and live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call 1-888-FARMERS to switch, and you could save a bundle on your auto insurance. So, RJ, we've been talking about Deshaun Watson trying to dictate terms on where he can go. We've also said the same about Carson Wentz. All of this coming on the heels of Draymond Green voicing his displeasure about a quote-unquote double standard in the NBA. Okay, so this Draymond comment, I th- initially, I was like, what's he saying? I think most people initially, it, it, it didn't connect. It, it wasn't particularly cogent, and it doesn't mean the idea is wrong. But as I you know, really took it in and thought about it, read a little bit about it, what he seems to be saying is that the players are – Pieces on the chessboard, very well-paid pieces, but pieces on the chessboard. And the owners, through their proxy, which is their GM or whoever is making the ultimate decisions, get to decide where those players play. Now, to some degree, that's not the case, where there can be a negotiated no-trade clause. There can be a negotiated other things. Uh, You could set up the contract in a way that if you traded the player, it would be a big financial hit. There's all kinds of things you can do. But ultimately, other than free agency and with the draft itself, the player is dictated to, you go here, you go here. Now, if we want to question that, that then then that gets that tears down and potentially would be rebuilt a new premise of of sports in in North America, because it would literally if the players are self interested and that's the only thing. Hey, where do I want to play? When do I want to play? I mean, contra- forget that contract. Just keep paying me, but forget the contract. I don't know what that would look like, but what I think he's missing when he puts it out there is the owners are the stewards for the fans. Now, when the owners aren't, like maybe the Knicks, you could make the case that hasn't been the case. The Clippers under the uh, old ownership, that wasn't the case. The fans get mad. I mean, rightfully so. I think the Pirates are an example where the fans should be more mad at the Pittsburgh ownership group. Great example. But it's the players are, you're supposed to, like, even as much as I loved, let's say, Ryan Clark as a player, I loved Ike Taylor, the cornerback. Oh, he was tough as nails. They called him nails, actually. He was so tough. Is if they could have traded him for um, Revis in his prime, I'd say, see you at the convention. See, see you at the reunion, Ike. <laughs> we are rooting for teams. Now, the young, young, young millennial types, they often are rooting for players. And to me, maybe that's a change that we've got to start to try to understand better because when LeBron goes from Cleveland to L.A., he brings a lot of fans with him. And the one, you know, the one thing I would say is – Someone's got to be looking out for the fans if they are rooting for the teams. And I think most fans still are. Jonas, we got to do Fez's best bet, but maybe we'll leave it there and I'll just ask you that question. Do you believe at this point 
that most fans are still team-oriented and not player-oriented. Yeah, 100%. That's what they grew up on, and, and that fandom is always going to be there even after those players retire. Yeah, I think so. And they people will say, well, they're rooting for laundry, but it doesn't change the fact that that's I root for the Steelers. I love Big Ben. I root for the Steelers, and I hope he doesn't come back. This is probably a good example. <laughs> right? He can sit on the bench if he wants. I don't want to make him 42. All right, speaking of making money, Jonas, let's set up Fez. That's right, and we're going to go to the ACC College Basketball where Duke is on the road at Wake Forest coming up at 8.30 Eastern time. And <laughs> Stop on Wake Forest plus the seven. This line is inflated. The opening line was five. All right, so the game is where? Game is at Wake Forest. Okay, and Duke... They're not doing so well. They're 500 in conference. All right. So how are they looking to make the tournament? They are on the bubble. Oh, and, okay. And everyone knows they need this game like blood. So what has happened is that Ken Palm put this game out minus five. So Ken Palm has computer rankings that do exceptionally well predicting the line. Yes. The odds maker said that's a good line. They opened it at five. And the betters have bet this all the way up to seven. Irrational exuberance on Duke in a must-win situation. I'm going to fade it. Take Wake Forest plus the seven. Okay. So Wake Forest plus seven. Do uh, Home dog. Now, you got about 30 seconds. Duke lost one of their key recruits this year, right? Yeah, Jalen Johnson had a small little injury issue. He's a freshman. Quit the team. Said, ah, don't well, want to play anymore. Listen, let's, let's not – that's what I want to be careful of, is I can think the macro big picture stuff is moving in the wrong direction. But if you're that player and you, know, you haven't had a great season, you're coming off the bench now, and it's going to put a stink on you in a way – He's expected to go, I think, seventh or eighth in the draft. So, in general, it'd be stupid for him to play. This, the way the system's set up that it incentivizes a kid not to play, I think that's the problem. But you can't ask a kid to risk millions of dollars for what? Right? So, I think there's, it's usually a tougher call. But we'll be here to be critical when appropriate. Best bet, though, Wake Forest plus seven from Fess. Straight out of Vegas comes to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call one eight 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 Farmers and you could save a whole lot of something on auto insurance. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We are back tomorrow, six PM Eastern Time, three o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio, and as always on the iHeart Radio app. 